Let us pray. Lord Jesus, give us eyes to seek and see you, ears to hear what we need to hear from you, and minds to understand what you would have us know of you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In John 12, verses 20 and 21, we find, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Now, despite the order of the lectionary in placing this gospel reading before Palm Sunday, this event actually occurred after the triumphant entry, probably the Wednesday of Holy Week, as Jesus was teaching the Olivet Discourse in the outer or court of the Gentiles of the temple. These Greeks wanted to see Jesus. If they had come to Jerusalem at to worship at the feast, they were God-fearing, like the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts 8 and the Roman centurion Cornelius in Acts 11, believing in the God of Israel, but not yet full converts to Judaism. They would be welcome in the court of the Gentiles, where Jesus would have done his teaching under the colonnades, but no further. There for the week of the feast, they had heard the teachings of Jesus under the colonnades. They had probably witnessed the procession with Jesus prominent in the midst on the colt as the crowd shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from Matthew 21, nine. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David from Mark 11.10. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, from Luke 19. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel, from John 12, 13. Yet Jesus did not seem as one ready to possess an earthly throne. They had seen him throw the traitors out of his father's temple. They overheard the questioning by the Pharisees and Sadducees as they tried to trip up Jesus. The whispered and not so whispered attempts to have Jesus arrested. But Jesus remained in control of the situation. And now they desired to speak to Jesus, to better understand him, to put a meaning to all they had seen and heard so far this week. They must have been following all this attentively, for they knew to go to Philip, one of the disciples, to try to get closer to Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I am one of those Greeks, I'm hanging on to Philip's coattails as he moves through, through the crowds, first to Andrew and then into the presence of Jesus. Which group do you belong to? Are you like the crowds? trying to fit Jesus into a box you've constructed around him to satisfy your present needs with no thought of eternity, 
and that has no relation to the real Christ Jesus. Denying his divinity while accepting the parts of his story that make you feel better about yourself, that make you think of yourself as a better person. Denying your sinful nature and the need to reconcile yourself with God through a savior provided by God, Christ Jesus. Or are you like the Pharisees and Sadducees who see Jesus as a threat to their positions, their way of life, their power and freedom to live as they like, no matter who gets hurt in the process? Their life is all about glorifying themselves instead of God. A total denial of what Paul writes in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Or are you with those Greeks who want nothing more to do than to be in the presence of Jesus, to know him for who he really is, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lord of all. Jesus acknowledges their coming and says in verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It seems counterintuitive that it is the time for Jesus to be glorified, and yet he speaks of his death and burial. Yet in one sense, the cross is the end, in that his ministry on the earth to draw the Jewish nation back to God is over. And now he fulfills John 3:16, For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Accomplished by bearing the sins of the world on that cross, so that those who believe in him can be reconciled with God. But it is also the beginning as it leads to the resurrection of his glorified body. When we read lifted up in John, our first thoughts are of the crucifixion. But the Greek word also has the idea of exaltation. So we must remember that his death was only the first step, followed by his resurrection after three days, and then his ascension back to heaven. Philippians 2, 5 to 11, expresses this idea very well. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's right. In the end, everyone will bow their knee to Jesus, whether in obedience and worship or in recognition of destruction for denying his name. What is often lost to those who deny Christ is the opposite of resurrection, but resurrected bodies and eternal life is not just bodily death and being forgotten, but resurrected bodies and eternal death. The reality is eternity in which the worst conditions of this world are as nothing in comparison. Thus Jesus can say to those Greeks who came to see him, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. In other words, my ministry here on earth has been directed to my people, the Jews, but my death, resurrection, and ascension are for all, both now and in the future, who would believe in my name. Don't be like the crowds listening that were so focused on an earthly king that they didn't hear anything Jesus said and responded in verse 34, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Interspersed with the teachings on his coming crucifixion, Jesus gave the Greeks and anyone that is listening with ears to hear, even today, instruction for remaining in the presence of Jesus. In verse 25, he says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus echoes, the, uh, Paul, sorry, Paul echoes this in Romans 8, 5 to 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Is your mind focused on your position in the world, your reputation with others, your wants, your desires, your self-gratification, your self-glorification? Are you caught up in the new philosophy of whatever you experience? You, what you feel is right is the true reality and of utmost importance? Or is your mind focused on being in the presence of Christ? Jesus continues in verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must, must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Luke explains what it means to serve Jesus in chapter nine, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Denying ourselves is taking the focus off me and putting it on Christ. 
our position, reputation before him, his wants, his desires, his glorification. Having lived in both worlds, believe me, he is a much more forgiving taskmaster than I was on myself. He also asks us to take up our cross daily, that is, devote ourselves to him and his requests on our lives, no matter the cost, even unto death. What does it matter what the world thinks of us if what we do displeases, displeases him? but there is no way that any of us could do this on our own. Our natural tendencies would surface and we would be back where we started. Jesus knows this and provides for it. From Acts 2 verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit fulfills what those Greeks were looking for, to be in the presence of God, always. The indwelling Holy Spirit means we are continually in his presence, and that is being born again in the Spirit. We are never alone again. Jesus continued his teaching in verse 35 with, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Here Jesus warned the Jewish crowd, the Greeks, and his disciples that his time with them is short, and then there would be darkness. His crucifixion was only two days away, and after, even his disciples would go into despair until the glory of the resurrection. Imagine the despair of those in the crowd who truly believed the time was right for earthly Messiah. Many of those would be among those crying, crucify him, crucify him, when they realized the box they built around their idea of Jesus was just strong. Jesus, as the light of the world, warned them to believe in him while he was present with them to start the journey to become children of God, because it would be more difficult once the darkness came. The disciples had responded to Jesus, and when Christ reappeared after the resurrection, their despair was wiped away and their faith returned in full. And the good news is Jesus called upon them to continue shining his light into the darkness of the world, and the number of believers multiplied and continues to multiply to the present day as we, his current believers, are called to shine the light into the world around us. Are you like those Greeks searching for Jesus, unsure how to come into his presence? As they approached Philip and Andrew, 
Pray for God to show you a present-day disciple to walk with you. If you are participating in this service online, feel free to scroll to the bottom of the page and call Pastor Dan or Deacon Allen, or fill in the Connect section and someone will respond to you. This challenge is now for the believers out there. Are you willing to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, to shine the light of Christ and offer the gospel of Christ in the darkness around you, no matter the cost? Have you isolated yourself for fear of what people of the world would think of you? Or have you prayed that Jesus would bring a Greek into your life and are you ready to walk with them in their journey, no matter how difficult, how long, and no matter the cost to you? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you know the situation of each one of us. If we are caught up in the ways of the world, like the Jewish leaders, looking for self-glorification, Give us hearts of repentance and to turn from the darkness into the light of your glory. If we have put in a, you in a box to try to conform you to our image of you, tear down the straw walls and show your true self. If like the Greeks in this gospel message, we are seeking you, allow us to find you, to know you as Redeemer and Lord. And if we have found you and believe in your name, strengthen and encourage us through your Holy Spirit to walk beside those that are seeking you, that they too might become children of God. Amen.